I'm Brett, I'm one of the pastors here at TFRC, and last week we started our new series called Compromised Christianity. As we pursue following Jesus, it can be easy to find aspects of our faith compromised. Whether that's uh, by ourselves or through culture. That happens around us. We might find ourselves compromising for a number of different reasons. You might do it because it doesn't feel like it's a big deal. Or maybe uh, it's the easy way out. It's a little more fun to do things a certain way. Or potentially we don't even recognize that what we're doing is compromising. When our faith loses ground, it is weakened. And it makes it harder for us to live in a world that is constantly pushing against us. And pushing away the way that Jesus has called for us to live. The goal of this series is to expose ways that our faith is being compromised and learn how we can better practice our faith in a way that makes us hold our ground and stay strong. One of the most important components to our faith is living in community. Living in community with fellow believers. Church community has always been something that I have been incredibly passionate about. There's something so beautiful and empowering about the body of Christ when it's functioning the way that it's supposed to. You know, growing up, I kind of struggled feeling like I didn't belong in a lot of circles. I was the big, goofy, chubby kid. I didn't live in the right neighborhood. I was a little uncoordinated. But at church, I belonged. I could be me. I was loved for who I was and was confident in who I was. For that reason, this place, all of you, are family to me. Now, biblical community likely, likely means different things to different people, but as Christians, there is a, a core idea of what we believe it to be, and that is living together with fellow Christians in a way that exhibits qualities the Bible calls us to have. It's a community faith that lives together and is there for one another through thick and thin. Living in community is such an important part of being a follower of Jesus. It allows for us to feel a sense of belonging. It helps keep us accountable. And it helps us feel God's love. But it also reflects God's original design for us to not be alone. We are at our strongest as followers of Jesus when we are in active fellowship with other believers. But if this is true, then why do we see so many people disengaging or even becoming jaded with this aspect of faith? Church community is being compromised. People are choosing to invest their time 
hearts and energy in other communities and in other relationships. The outer influences of the world are pulling at people to go where they are. But there's also a piece we need to own. We may not be living up to the standard of community which we are called to live. So how can we push back against the ways we find community being compromised? Let's turn to God's word for some direction. Our scripture passage for today comes from Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 through 25. And our scripture reader for this week is Jay Gomer. So Jay, could you please make your way to the center of the room? Our scripture um, is read in the center of the room because we want to remind people that it's uh, central to our lives. And so we ask that you all please stand and face the center as we read. Uh, We believe scripture is the primary lens to which we live our lives. But Jay, whenever you're ready, go ahead and get started. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us, through the curtain, that is, his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more, as you see the day approaching. Thanks, Jay. You can all be seated. It's widely believed that the book of Hebrews was written to an audience that had a heavy population of Jewish Christians. These Jewish Christians faced social pressure from the rest of the Jewish community to uh, return to their previous faith or to maybe take up some of the old practices that they used to do. This pressure created a potential threat, a threat for their Christian faith to begin to get compromised. During this time, it was important for these people that their community band together to strengthen one another and support one another. Although our passage today was written to help a group of Jewish Christians long ago, I do think it gives us a great blueprint on how we can confront compromised uh, Christianity, but compromised community here today. Many of us have been in a fun stage of life where you get to coach youth sports. I am currently smack dab in the middle of that stage. Uh, Over the last couple years, I've gotten to coach first, second, and third grade boys basketball. Wow. What an experience. There there is so much chaos on the court at at all all different levels. Uh, You know, you've got swarming around the ball. You've got people getting hit in the face. And it doesn't help. Sometimes I add to that chaos. Um, There was a time at practice this year where I was trying to teach a defensive stance, Okay. And I was trying to teach how, you know, when you try to steal a ball, you're going to swipe up and try to knock it out. Now, what I didn't realize is I told the guy that I was showing to stand right there. So when I swiped up, 
I smacked the ball as hard as I could and it hit the kid right in the gut and he fell over. There is chaos when we are coaching these kids. But there's something really cool to be seen within the chaos. As the season goes on, I always love to watch relationships develop. There's a camaraderie that starts to build. A chemistry on the court that's fun to see. Basketball is a team game. But it's incredibly important for an individual player to know basic fundamental skills in order to make the greater team function. In basketball, individual skills are the foundation for what makes a great team. If nobody knows how to shoot, pass, or dribble, they cannot accomplish their team collective goal. Creating an amazing faith community is very similar. In order to become a vibrant community of faith, one that supports one another effectively, we must be sure we're living out and practicing personal faith fundamentals. To confront compromised community, we have to fortify the foundation of our personal faith. The first half of our passage addresses this. In it, the recipients of the letter are reminded to have confidence in the faith that they have in Jesus. In order to fully live into the role that we have in this community, we must first buy in to the common beliefs that we all share. As Christians, we believe that Jesus died on the cross for our sins and was resurrected so that we could be restored in a right relationship with God and spend eternity with him. That's the story of the gospel. Our belief in Jesus sets the foundation of our faith. But to fortify that foundation takes work. It doesn't come easy. Besides believing, verse 22 says that we are to also draw closer to God. And to do so with a sincere heart, with full assurance that faith brings. Because of what we believe, we should try to live out our personal faith in a way that helps us grow closer to God. This looks like very simple things. Spending time in prayer. Spending time alone, listening for his spirit to speak to us creating opportunity to meditate on his word. But more than that, it also says that we are to draw closer to God with a sincere heart. We shouldn't draw close because we feel like we have to or we feel some sort of religious obligation to do so. We should draw closer because it's what we truly want. The word used for sincere here means what is true or hidden inside of us. A great question to ask ourselves is, are we trying to grow closer to God out of sincerity or obligation? After being told to draw near to God, verse 23 tells us that we need to cling to our beliefs. 
It's not enough to just know and remember. But we are to hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, the hope that we have through the gospel. When life gets hard and we face difficult obstacles, we are to hold dear, hold on for dear life to the love, hope, and truth that faith gives us. That means that when we are told we are not enough, when we're told we are unlovable, when we're told we're not talented enough, or maybe we're too damaged, we hold on unswervingly to the hope and truth we find in faith. It means that when we're confronted with unemployment, divorce, cancer, marital infidelity, betrayal, depression, or extreme insecurity, we must hold unswervingly to the hope and truth that we know in the gospel. And when life is great, business is booming, and our lives are balanced, we must hold unswervingly to the hope and truth we know in the gospel. We are constantly given all sorts of messages from the world around us about who and whose we are. As we receive those messages, it is so important that we hold unswervingly to the hope of the gospel. We got some big words up here. The gospel is real and the gospel changes everything. That is what we believe here. We must cling to that belief and let it comfort us in whatever situation we find ourselves in. And we have to let it inform the way we respond to those situations. The foundation for a healthy church is a, is a community that starts with people taking their own faith seriously. Embracing and living out personal faith. But as we start embracing that component, we also have to start looking outside of ourselves. Because faith is so much more than just me and God, or you and God. We have to be able to shift the focus from me to we. You might have noticed in our scripture that the words I, me, or my are never used. It's all us and we language. Our scripture puts an emphasis on living our faith together. Verse 24 says, And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. The Greek word used here for spur is paroxysmas. And it can mean to sharpen or irritate. And the funny thing is it's usually not used in a positive light. But oddly enough here, it is. It's saying that we are to provoke or sharpen one another in a way that leads towards loving God and loving others in a greater way that even makes our deeds reflect that. One of the reasons that we find community being compromised in the church is our unwillingness or inability to correct one another and hold each other accountable. 
It says that we are to irritate and sharpen one another towards love and good deeds. We're supposed to challenge one another to live a life of faith. But I think sometimes, instead of sharpening one another towards love and good deeds, we sharpen one another to the point of bitterness, hate, hypocrisy, loneliness, self-righteousness, guilt, and shame. To confront compromised community, we must sharpen one another in a way that leads towards love and emulating Jesus. When we start to do this well, we'll begin to see life transformation happen within us and the community around us. And we'll start to experience a collective closeness, especially when we walk through tough times together. From spurring one another on, uh, in verse 25, we are told to not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. Community cannot be formed and lived out without meeting together. It's really hard to do. But it involves more than just being in the same building, hearing the same sermon over and over again. We are also meant to meet in a manner that allows for us to know one another, to grow with one another, to have fun with one another. In the early days of the church in Asia Minor, followers of Jesus were heavily persecuted. This meant that for many, the only community that they had was the church. And they did life together. They grew close together. They bonded together through their mutual faith and struggles. We are called to live in a similar fashion. Outside of our family, the church community is supposed to be our primary community. It's supposed to be the hub for our families, for our friends, for the fun we have, for our growth. It's why we offer so many things here at the church for you to get plugged in with. We know the value of community. But these days, there are so many different places we can find our primary community. We can find it through sports, hobbies, gym memberships, workplaces, community involvement, or different clubs and organizations that we attach ourselves to, and maybe they're, they're great organizations. The world tells us that if we become a part of this community, we will feel accepted. Or if we become a part of that community, we will feel fulfilled and find happiness. But are we letting these communities take priorities, take priority over the one that we have been called to be a part of, to belong to, to invest in? How many hours a week do we invest in communities outside the body of Christ? How many do we, hours and days do we invest within it? And yet we ask ourselves, why aren't we growing in our faith? Why is our kids' faith faltering? Now I'm not saying don't invest in other people, but I do think we need to ask, our, ask ourselves 
if we need to be spending a little bit more time investing in our faith community. Not just for us, but for everyone else it benefits. To confront compromised community is so vital that we meet together regularly. Meeting together on a regular basis allows for us to have shared experiences. And these shared experiences create a common growth and a sense of feeling connected to one another. When we have shared experiences, we naturally start to care more about one another. And we can love one another with a greater capacity. Think about when you find, um, when you meet somebody and you find out they went to the same college as you. Or maybe uh, they're from the same small town. They have a mutual friend. Or they love the same terrible NFL team that you do. There's a bond that you feel with that person instantly. You like them a little bit more. Or maybe you feel sorry for them a little bit more if it's the NFL team. As we meet together and have shared experiences, we pave the way for greater relational credibility to speak into one another's lives. If not, it's just one in one ear and out the other. Earlier we talked about the importance of sharpening each other. But what happens if all we ever do is sharpen something? What happens if all you ever do is sharpen, sharpen, sharpen? Eventually it breaks. It will eventually break. A healthy and thriving community needs to have space for not only challenging one another, but also growing and building each other up. In the second half of verse 25, it says that we must encourage one another and that we must do so even more as the world gets crazier. Those are my own paraphrasing words. As the world gets crazier. And that's how it feels sometimes, doesn't it? To confront compromised community, we have to make sure that we are encouraging one another. As we build strong personal faith foundations and we sharpen one another, we must also make sure that we are there for one another in a positive way, lifting each other up. It's often through encouragement that we can find strength to continue thriving in our relationship with Jesus. And it's often through encouragement that we can just make it through the hard times. Just being raw here, last two weeks have been incredibly hard for a lot of people. We had a student um, whose life was lost in the last two weeks. And to see the way the community of faith here has reached out to the family and supported them is so cool. So cool. But I was incredibly blessed this week because I've tried to, to do different things to support people. And it's easy in a community of faith to give and not receive. But let me tell you, I was incredibly blessed by people loving on me. It was tough. Quite frankly, I'm still in the midst of it. But I had a student reach out to me yesterday just to check how I'm doing. That is powerful. 
That is the power of community. Encouragement can look as simple as saying, hey, good job. Or acknowledging the ways that you see someone improving. It's sitting next to someone and letting them know it's going to be okay. It's letting someone know you're proud of them for how much they've grown or how they've handled a situation or helping others see themselves through the lens of God's love for them. Our scripture today gives us a great idea of what living in a healthy community of faith is supposed to look like. It involves personally investing in our faith. It involves sharpening and challenging one another to grow. It involves meeting together so that we can have these shared experiences and love each other in a greater capacity. And it involves encouraging one another through the great times and the crummy ones. When we practice community in these ways, we hold our ground and we fight compromise. So all of us here have different levels of commitment to this community of faith. But what if each of us tried to improve in just one area of community that we talked about today? What if you encouraged a little more? What if you sharpened each other just a little better? What if you were here just a little more? What if you invested in your personal faith to allow for you to do those things? Imagine how much stronger our faith community could become. Imagine the impact we could have on people's lives. In what ways do you need to make a greater effort to confront the areas of your life where you compromise community? Please pray with me. Lord, we thank you so much for your word, for what we can learn from it, how it challenges us to live our lives. God, we pray that today as a community of faith, this is the beginning of trying to live life together in a way that is powerful. Lord, help us to sharpen one another, to encourage one another, to continue meeting together, and through that, continuing to grow deeper and deeper in love with you. Be with all of those here today or not today. That community is jaded for. Help us love them in a way that brings them back. Brings them back to you, brings them back here. We love you, God, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. But let's close with this blessing. Finally, brothers and sisters, rejoice. Strive for full restoration. Encourage one another. Be one of mind. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.